0: Amen, to come and center ourselves around the word of the Lord. Romans 12, starting with verse number one, and I'll read verse number two as well here this evening. The Bible says, I beseech you, and these are familiar verses, perhaps to some. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For a little while tonight, I want to minister along these lines and I, I won't hold you real long, but long enough. I'd like to minister this. Head transformation. Head transformation. Hallelujah. Let's pray together tonight. Father, Lord, I come to you. I'm so thankful, God, for being able to be here. y'all be able to sing the songs of Zion tonight and clap and uplift hands and worship. God, an adoration to you. Thank you, Lord, God, for the opportunity. God, I don't want to take, Lord Jesus, this time for granted. I pray, oh, Lord, tonight, God, that you would anoint my mind, anoint my lips, oh, God my heart God each and every individual that would sit under the sound of my voice this evening help us to lean in God to your word lean in God to what may be the spirit God is saying in this time Lord and we'll give you the glory and the praise and the honor for it in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and the church say amen amen you may be seated tonight in the lovely name of Jesus Christ The book of Romans, the Apostle Paul is addressing the church at Rome. And in these particular verses that I read in your hearing tonight, Paul is urging the church of Rome to present their bodies. He's speaking to the brethren, a plurality of people. And he's speaking to them that they would present their bodies a living sacrifice unto God. Firstly, this evening, I believe it is absolutely important to note to whom you present your body to. It's important to whom you present your body. To. A person may, according to these few verses I read, may submit their body to God as Paul urged the church at Rome, or they could also present their body to the world as he alluded to in verse number two. Another portion of Scripture, New Testament, the Bible speaks that to whomsoever we yield ourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are. The Apostle Paul is underscoring in these verses the importance of presenting our bodies to God. And Paul emphatically tells us in verse number 2, not, everybody say not, not, not to be conformed to this world. Again, he's saying basically don't give your bodies to the world, but give them unto God. And then he continues in verse number two. And he tells us by what way or what means this giving of our bodies to God, how that can happen, how that can take place, how that can unfold. And Paul shares the secret to submitting our body to God in verse number two. And he tells us this transformation happens by this, this submitting, presenting our body to God. That transformation happens by the renewing, or if you will, the renewal, the renovation, a complete change for the better, a renewing of our mind. Everybody say, My mind. Thus, according to Paul. Transformation didn't start with the hands. Didn't start with the feet. Didn't even start, if you will, with the heart. But transformation starts with the head. The head influences the presentation of our bodies for and unto God. In psychiatry today, and of old, the field of psychiatry, they recognize that the head problems amen, that the head problems cause bodily disorders in psychiatry. They said if a person has problems or difficulties of the head, it will cause literal bodily disorders and dysfunctions. More specifically, in the field of psychiatry, they say that hand and feet problems begin in the head. Hand and feet problems begin in the head. The the conductive processes determine the size, the shape, the lines, the markings, and the color of the hands and feet. It all flows from the head. It says that the head, they say the head is what determines the growth of both the feet and the hands. In essence, what they are saying is this, is that the head controls the head. The head controls the hands, rather, and the feet. The Bible says prior to the flood coming upon the earth, the Bible says in Genesis 6 and 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart, or if you will, also rendered mind, head, if you will, was only evil, Continually. God saw, everybody say, saw the wickedness of men. He's seen their Actions. He's seen what they were doing. He's seen what they were involved in, the wickedness of men. Amen. But the expression of this, this expression finds its origin in the very imagination of man in his heart, or if you will, his mind, or if you will, his head. The wicked expressions that God saw of men were due to the imaginations, evil imaginations of of their heads someone say amen. amen then after the flood of Genesis eight twenty one, the Bible states these words and the Lord smelled a sweet savor because Noah had made a sacrifice unto God and the Lord said in his heart I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake for the imagination of man's heart also rendered mind or if you will head is evil from his youth Neither, neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. God spoke in the scripture then and emphasized that the answer to the head problem of man the answer to the imagination that's consistently evil, the head problem of man. He said the answer is not destruction. The answer must be transformation. Because after the flood, the imaginations, after every living thing was destroyed and annihilated from the face of the earth, the imagination, man still had his head problem. So destruction was not going to solve the head problem. It was going to take something more. There needed to be a transformation. Can someone say amen? So if according to psychiatry that the head controls the hands and the feet to the degree of their color and even length and sometimes their discoloration or function or lines and joints. Amen. If it controls those basic processes of life because our hands is what our actions are symbols of our actions of what we do, what we're involved with. And, and our feet are, are symbolical, if you will, of the places that we go, our ways and, and where we go or how we stand. If those things are influenced by the head, amen, if I, what we do is influenced by the head. If where we go and how we stand are somehow influenced by the head then there is a lot of focus and concentration that needs to be put upon the head. I've said it before. I'll say it a thousand times before I die. Sometimes we're trying to correct our doings and our goings when we need to go to the source and the fountain head, if you will of the problem. There needs to be a head transformation. My hand can't be transformed Neither can my ways or my feet be transformed until ultimately my head is transformed. Can someone say amen? This is Wednesday, you've missed two services. Just jump on boat with me here just a little bit, all right? Amen, I need you to jump in and lean in here just a little bit tonight because the hands, even through Scripture, we see hands are performing service. Hands are performing work. Amen, our feet are taking places. Amen, taking people places. They're walking paths. They're going down ways. And whenever their feet get them there, their hands can do a work. And they say a successful person is a person that must be on the right path and doing the right thing amen the feet follow the right path and the hands do the right thing but all of that is governed by the head the church at Thyatira in the book of Revelation is rebuked because they allowed the Bible says that woman Jezebel You suffer us is the wording that woman Jezebel to operate among you. It almost seems a little bit of a quandary, a little bit of a difficulty. They allow that woman Jezebel to operate among them, yet how can this be? Because at this present time in the book of Revelation when John the Revelator penned these words, Jezebel has been dead for a long, long, long time many years have transpired many years have taken place how can they be allowing Jezebel to operate among them if I may tonight the difference is really this it's the difference between destroying something and transforming something the Bible speaks of the Old Testament Jezebel she was the daughter of Ethbel the king and high priest of the Baal worshipping Sidonians She married King Ahab, the king of Israel, of the northern tribes, whenever Israel was split, the northern tribes. She married King Ahab. She polluted those tribes with her pagan gods. Ahab was her husband. Ahab was supposedly labeled king. He was king only in label, might I say. Jezebel had the real control. Jezebel had the real dominating spirit that domineered those tribes and he as her husband she was in control she seems to be very very strong force among the nation of Israel at that time Her, her mind was bent upon evil her mind was bent upon destruction upon pollution and perversion as a matter of fact she was so bent upon eliminating the faithful servants of the Lord that the second time that her name is mentioned in scripture the Bible says Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord this is this is the mentality of this woman this is this is how she thinks this this is how she operates her game plan as a matter of fact at one particular time in the Old Testament her husband desired a vineyard of by the of a man by the name of Naboth he wanted his vineyard he said I'll trade you I'll do some things I if we can just have your vineyard Naboth said no this is the place of my father's and this is my father's inheritance he gave it to me I can't part with this I can't leave this and he went back home Ahab did he was so sorryful. he was downcast and so his, his wife said what's wrong with you Naboth and he told her the story and she goes to business folks she begins to manipulate things and use his signet and his ring without him knowing setting certain people up with false accusations because she had a way of getting what she wanted just through pure manipulation and before it was all said and done, she secured that vineyard by killing Naboth. Amen. Secured that vineyard for her husband. But look, look at her deeds. Look at her ways. They're evil. Amen. They're evil. Amen. But the Bible says, for the ending of her life, in 2 Kings 9, verse 34, and when he was come in, he did eat and drink and said, Go see now this cursed woman. This is Jehu. Bury her, for she is a king's daughter. They went to bury her. They found no more of her than the skull and the feet, the palms of her hands. Jehu came in, was given an order take care of business. Jezebel tears her head, puts pain on her face, calls to him from the window. Jehu calls up to the eunuchs that are with her so who's on my side who is on my side eunuchs throw her down from the window Jehu takes his chariot goes up on her with his horses blood is splattering he goes on into the village and he eats a meal leaves her body out there in the street crumpled having been crumpled under his chariot wheels and under his horses but when he calls to mind that this is you know although not a righteous king she is a king's daughter and she needs a proper burial they go back out there there's no, of her, no more of her found than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. The solution for Jehu, the solution for those of that age to take care of the mastermind Jezebel that was doing all these ill acts, doing all these things of destruction, manipulation and domineering even in the nation of Israel. The solution seemed to be destruction. The solution seemed to be go and kill her. But whenever her natural life was taken, The spirit of Jezebel lived on. In so much that Thyatira in the book of Revelation would deal with Jezebel's old ways, her old actions, her old deeds. The dogs even fulfilled scripture according to Jehu that they did come and they did eat of the flesh of Jezebel in the portion of Jezreel. But remaining on the dusty floor of that region of Jezreel was a skull and were some hands and were some feet. In other words, tonight Jezebel's doings, her hands, and her goings, her feet, would continue because her head that dictated the goings and dictated the doings Remained. I believe scripture admonishes us in the New Testament church in Philippians 2.5. The statement never was, let these hands be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The statement never was, let these feet be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. then say, let these actions be in you, which was also in Christ, or let these goings be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But the scripture reads, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Because you need a head transformation if you're ever going to have a hand transformation or a foot transformation. If you're goings will be right, and your actions will be right. It'll be because you got the right head, a head transformation. The Old Testament priesthood gave us a shadow of better things to come. I need your help just a little bit tonight because you don't know how much I struggled just to have what I have today. So I need your help just a little bit this evening. The Old Testament priesthood gave us a shadow of better things to come. Every day before ministering in the tabernacle, the scripture says that the priests would have to wash their hands and their feet. However, going just a little further back than the daily rituals of washing the hands and the feet, going back to the time when the high priest was consecrated, going back to the time when his sons were ordained and consecrated, going back to that time of that first consecration for the service of the Lord, the Bible says that that high priest, his head was anointed with oil. The Bible says that there in Exodus 29, you can read of it, that then he, the high priest, and his sons, There was a sacrifice, a ram that was killed and slaughtered. And the blood was taken in a basin. And that blood for him and his sons was placed upon the tip of the lobe of the right ear of that high priest and sons. The blood was placed upon the hand, the thumb of the right hand of that high priest and sons. That blood was placed upon the great toe of the right foot of that high priest and those sons. Amen. Amen at each of those junctures of the road. Amen. But the blood that was placed, hear me right now, the blood that was placed upon the feet and the blood that was placed upon the hands did not get there until it was first placed on the head. The blood that sanctified and cleansed the hands and sanctified and cleansed the feet did not reach those places until first they had made contact with the head. The head was first, then the hands, and then the feet. Someone say, "Amen." It had to be a head transformation. So, with this same ritual was used for a leper that had been cleansed, and then had to go through a process of going through a ritual of cleansing in the house of God by the priest. And what happened there, Leviticus 19 bears it out, is the very same scenario. The blood was put on the head, the ear, and the hands, and then the feet. And after the blood was placed in those three areas, then the anointing oil was placed upon the head and then the the, the hands and then the feet. Whenever a leper came to get cleansed, that leprosy of the Old Testament, that was a symbol of sin, a type of sin. Amen. The way to contend with and deal with sin is get the blood and the anointing on the head first. You gotta first touch the head. Let the blood first touch the head. Let the anointing oil first touch the head. There's gotta be a transformation of the head. I gotta preach in this place here this evening that before there was ever a hand that was affixed to Calvary, before there were ever any feet that were nailed to the cross, before there was ever a Golgotha or a Calvary in the picture, long before that, the Bible says there was a crown of thorns with about thorns that was placed on the head and where the blood first fell out of the three was upon the head someone say amen before he ever went to the cross we all time, they in a modern day society and they just picture many times all this stuff taking place at the cross. He's on the cross when he gets the crown of thorns and the spear and all this other stuff. No, 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 let's read our gospels all over again. The thorns was placed on his head before he ever made the walk, amen to Calvary. Before he ever made the walk to Galgotha. Why in the world is that important? Because listen to me today. When the head goes through its personal crucifix of a crown of thorns, it will lead to the crucifix of some heaven. It'll lead to the crucifixion. Coincidence, Bishop. I don't think that's coincidence. It's not that they nailed him to the tree with hands and feet and then put a crown on his head. No, I believe there's a proper order. I believe it's divine order that there, the, the, the where blood was going to be shed first out of the three was on the head. And then we can get the hands. And then we can get the feet. And if we'll get the head right, it'll follow through with our hands. It'll follow through with our feet. But we've got to have a head transformation first. Whenever those thorns hit his brow, it caused blood to flow, sinless blood to flow sinless blood to flow somebody hear me right now the blood covered the head first out of the three it covered the head first and then the penetrating of those nails to the hands caused the blood to get on the hands the actions the deeds the involvements of humanity and those feet that were hammered in, that blood would spill then upon the feet that would help dictate and control where humanity would go, what they would stand on, what they would stand in. But none, 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 none of that happens until first the head has some blood flowing and the head has some crucifying that's taking place. Said those he was writing to in the New Testament, he says, I bear in my body marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, if you bear in your body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're going to have a transformed mind. A transformed head before there's ever a transformation of your deeds and your ways. If you bear in your mark, if you bear on your body the marks of Jesus, then there's gonna be a transforming of the mind rather than a confirmation or conforming, if you will, to the world i got to just go a step further. I want you to understand that what the blood touches, the water washes. Because the two of Joseph of Arimathea and highly probable Nicodemus that begged for the body of the Lord, what is some of their first action after they get the body? They washed the body. Why? Because there's some blood on his head. There's some blood on his hands. There's some blood on his feet. And whatever the blood touched, the water would wash. I can't go through this life without a transformed head because I need the blood there. Because if the blood's not there, there will be no washing of regeneration there. I gotta have the blood there because if the blood there, the water will be able to wash there and cleanse there. And as a result, my steps will be right, my actions will be right, my goings and my doings will be right because of a head transformation. the possibility is this and I won't hold you much longer the possibility is this that rather than being transformed in our mind which initiates the presentation of our bodies to the Lord that's how it happens so present your bodies how by the, trans, the renewing of your mind transformation of your head the other option is this though that Paul was fighting against If we don't allow ourselves to have a transformed mind, we'll become conformed to the world. And when we become conformed to the world and its thinkings and its practices, our actions and our ways will follow our head. So that's a quite that's quite a possibility. It's quite a possibility. You don't allow your mind to be transformed. You don't allow your head to be transformed. don't allow the blood to be there, the washing to take place there. Don't think you can have an unaltered, transformed mind and still act and do as Christ would do. The head controls these things. The head controls these things. Peter was so convinced of that even just whenever his feet was being washed, the Lord said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no, I have no part with you. Peter went, went on and said, hey, how about my hands and my head also, Lord? Huh? So we could go untransformed and be conformed. There's something important, you know, the words conformed, transformed, you know, you look at those a little bit. When we talk about conformed, You know, you're kind of being impressed by some outside force. You're being conformed. But transformation is an eternal, internal thing. I want to be transformed. Now, you can be conformed to the world, but here is, I believe, a tactic, and I'll close with this. I believe this is a tactic of our adversary today. Listen to me clearly. If he cannot get a mind or a head conformed to the world, he'll bunt the ball through this tactic because years gone by, not just biblical, but also real history. One of the tactics of an adversary against his enemy, if he captured him, was to cut off his hands and his feet to cut off his hands and feet, the enemy would. Listen to me, and I'm closing. I really am, and I'm not joking anybody. With their hands and their feet gone, listen to me, they could no longer go and do as they normally would. Listen, although the bidding of their head may still be otherwise. In other words, they were set in such a position that they would have to live out their life with a desire to go and a desire to do even perhaps that which is right but lack the capacity to do so. I sense as a pastor that what is a greatest ploy in this hour Is not the necessarily total conformance of your mind to the world, but for you to have a transformed mind, but be unable to fulfill what you would like to do and where you would like to go in God. Having the bidding of your mind to want to go there, but be incapacitated where you can't. Correct desires, maybe. Uh, inability to fulfill them. We call them. You call them a bunch of different things today. Call them good intentions. I've talked to enough people that got really good intentions or goals. Concerning the church. Concerning their life in the church. I really want to be positionally here. What's the problem? They've had their hands and their feet. Cut off. They get out of desire to do, but they're incapacitated to perform. If you'll stand with me tonight and I'll close. Musicians may come and the eyes may be. Closed and heads bowed. The head transformation took place at Calvary. The head transformation took place at the cross. I should say, the finality of all things took place there. It started before he ever got there. A crown of thorns. But it ended with the impact on actions and paths and standings at the cross. Blood touched all those areas of the life. It didn't touch those areas of hands and feet until it had first touched the areas of the head. That Old Testament priest did not have the blood on his hand and feet until it first touched the area of his head. And I cannot have it today in my life or in this generation any differently. I cannot somehow be patching up my hands and patching up my feet in their direction and their actions until, first of all, I have a transformation of my mind, a transformation of my head. Hallelujah. Will you just pray right now? These altars are open. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter